Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. You're listening to the Chasing Tales Outdoor Podcast, where when you can't be in the outdoors, we bring it to you. Welcome back to another episode of the Chasing Tales Outdoor Podcast. My name is Walt. His name is Chase. And wait, Hold on. Hold on a second. You're here. You're real. Yeah, I'm in the flesh. <laughs> this this podcast intro interrupted by Chase's Chase Prince's presence. Let's say that three times fast. I'm back. <laughs> and okay. I shouldn't be on today either, but yeah. I am. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You've you've had a you've had a rough go of it here lately. But uh guys, if this is your first time joining us, thank you for tuning in. Um I am continued to be floored in uh by the amount of growth year over year by this podcast. It's just been a steady growth, uh, very predictable growth. And I think that just is indicative of you guys spreading the word after you find the podcast. And I really appreciate each and every one of you doing what you do to to help us grow because this is Chase and I, this is our passion project. And I mean, I, I probably think about this more than anybody else, but I mean, like we put a lot of time into this and to see the growth tells us we're on the right path. And we appreciate you guys from five-star reviews to sharing us on social media to join in patreon you guys continue to impress us uh and encourage us to do more and we've got some fun things coming for you so uh tonight's episode was supposed to be spartan forge uh we've kicked that uh one day chase you won't make that episode but we're going to get that one in that is going to be kind of a little teaser interim episode before we have our part five of the florida habitat series uh but dude i ran right before we hit record how many days we have until the Georgia opener for deer season. I can't believe that somehow we're 39 days away from deer season. <laughs> yeah, you are for Georgia. I'm what a week behind that Yeah, or so. Yeah, so, so yeah, we're days. super close, man. If you would have told me to guess about a week ago, I would have never, I wouldn't even been close. I'd be like, yeah. Oh yeah, we still got three months. No, yep. <laughs> <laughs> but my mind's been elsewhere uh, for a little while. But I, it don't matter to me. I, I still get ready. If, if it was one day for the season right now, I would still be able to get out there <laughs> tomorrow morning <laughs> and get after it. So, yeah. But I have no information. Like right now, I've got 
no intel no nothing on anything right now so right now anything i find is going to be a, a good surprise yeah yeah no it's um it's been fun so brett and i you've seen uh while you've been busy dealing with life i've been out having a lot of fun here lately um but Brett and I have been finding some really good stuff. Um, if you guys haven't noticed already, go check out the YouTube channel. Uh, I call him the South Alabama legend because the guy's just legendary in his approach to, to pursuing mature whitetails. And we've been dropping some YouTube videos. we got another one that's about to drop this week as well. Uh, that's with Brett and myself. It's a little bit of a shorter video. Um, but one of the things that we've been doing is a lot of summer scouting, which is something that a lot of people uh, kind of turn their nose up on. And I think if you're trying to break down a new piece of property, turning your nose up on it is kind of a silly thing to do. I think especially if you're diving into a new piece of property, this is invaluable time to get out there. Uh, specifically, we're trying to time uh, the fawn drop because then we can backdate the different doe groups in this in this big WMA. And then we can kind of approach those and hunt the doe groups the way the bucks are going to. And I'm really eager to see if his South Alabama method applies to Florida, because that's going to be cool. Florida and South Georgia, for that matter. Yeah. Um, I listened. I did happen to catch last week's episode, and there was some good points brought up about some summer scouting stuff, which he said he really doesn't do anymore uh, as much. But just, like I said, getting familiar with the territory and figuring out uh, how to access all these points uh, during the season, uh, I called and uh, on my way home from a trip, uh, I was down in uh, South Florida and I talked to Brett. We probably talked for like two hours <laughs> as I was driving back Holy home. And, uh, he was telling me uh, some of the areas that y'all were scouting that uh, some of them were difficult to access. And just by going in there now, he was bit coming up with a plan on uh, how his access should be uh, when the time's right, like when you're talking about monitoring those, uh, the fawn drop, because if a lot of people are busy and during hunting season, they go, well, I've got a few weekends to kind of burn, which weekends am I, am I going to burn? Well, right. if you get that fawn drop figured out, those are the weekends that you're going to want to burn to increase your success the most. Absolutely. Yeah, no. And I think, I think that you can even refine, you know, one of the things that, that Doug and I talked about at, offline and he very quickly presented as somebody who needs to be on the podcast more than once, <laughs> you know, it, it, yeah. the, the, you, you'd never going to pull enough information out of him in one session. And so, you know, I think one of the things he was talking about is that he hunts does the way that, um, bucks do, you know, he looks at the area, he hunts bucks the way that bucks hunt does is what I should say. And one of the things he talks about is how he thinks, you know, what is a buck doing in this time period? He's searching out that hot dough. He's looking for that hot dough. And in Florida where it's, it's so staggered, you know, Brett's approach, I feel like is really brilliant, brilliantly simple. If you mark when the does are, are, are in each little group are coming into heat, then you have the upper hand and you can be like, listen, he may or may not be checking those does, but I know that these does dropped X date and, and, and that's this week coming up and I can target those does. Um, and those bucks know, man, they're cruising. They, they, the, the mature bucks, they know a hot doe. You, the evidence is there scientifically, you know, so yeah, it's, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. I got two more cell cameras on the way. I cannot believe I bought two more, but uh, I bought two more cell cameras. That puts me up to five stealth cams. And uh, we're going to really intensely focus on that South Georgia area and, and have a good time doing it. And I think uh, I, I have a feeling something's going to die on camera this year. And I think Brett's going to have a hand in that as well. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Brett, Brett gets after it. So he, he's going to, he's just, 
there's no question if he's going to be in the woods yeah <laughs> <laughs> on his days off so he's going to get after it uh he's putting in the work like he always does oh yeah and uh i'm i'm assuming the same thing with uh, getting stuff on camera and everything else mm -hmm. and I mean, y'all got a competitive bet going on. So sometimes competitive nature gets you more than anything yeah. else. And he's, he's, he'll definitely play a role in that for sure. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, on the, on the topic of work, we got some work ahead of us. We got to thank the people who make this show possible. Specifically, we need to talk to the Patreon members. So uh, if for anybody who doesn't know, Patreon is a crowdfunding way that we support the podcast. This helps offset gas. This helps offset hosting fees, uh, all the developmental components, you know, we were able to uh, pay to have a nice website designed for us so that we can bring you blog posts. I've got a couple of those in the hopper. Um, you know, that, that money is going to help us grow this into a video format. It's going to help us grow the video format side of YouTube as well. Um, and I just want to say thanks to everybody who signed up. I can't believe we've got as many signed up as we do. Uh, but part of that thank you is a shout out on the podcast. And we've got three people that we need to say thank you to this week. Chris Naus, I think is how you say his last name, Carl and Justin Markham. Thank you fellows for deciding to, to sign up and support the podcast. We have got a, a round of decals and stickers coming out. In fact, it's been so long since I've done a, a round of stickers and decals. Uh, I'm just going to send new ones to everybody just to make sure everybody's got a fresh one. You, maybe you got a new car, a new cooler, something. We're going to send you a decal or a magnet, and uh, you can stick it on the beer fridge, the back of your truck, whatever it is you need to do. And uh, But if, if you're interested in supporting the show, check it out in the show notes. You can actually, on whatever platform you're listening, scroll down. The link is right there. Or if you want to type it into your browser or your phone, it's patreon.com forward slash Chasing Tales Outdoors. We've got a couple tiers that you can choose from. From, and uh, you know the, the the benefits vary from tier to tier. Whether that's free uh, free swag, uh, entry to the polo group, everybody gets access access to our Discord digital deer camp group, uh, and we're just happy to have to be building deer camp again, bringing hunt camp together. And if you're a Patreon member, you get to join us for the Patreon deer hunt, which will be happening in the middle of September. I'm really excited about that. It should be an absolute blast. We've got a cabin that has been donated by a patron. That's right next to the the WMA, remarkably. And so we got AC, we've got inside and outside camping. If you if you prefer, uh, we, we've got a couple spots available for that. So check it out if you're interested, and uh, we'd love to have you over there. And so uh, we got a couple companies that we also partner with. And uh, next week you're going to hear from Bill Thompson, the founder of Spartan Forge. And Spartan Forge is where AI and actual deer movements combine and chase and i have been using this thing for a little while now and it is very scarily accurate uh, when it tells you it's, it's a core bedding area the cameras are going off in the thickets and when they say it's a full range day you might get a buck moving at mid at midday you know through a wide open field and it seems like it's it's really got those deer patterns specific to your area and i think that's what a lot of people when they talk about spartan fords they don't do a good job of talking about is he has gone in and cleaned up the data and made it actionable in every region of the U.S. And so the data you're getting isn't, you know, Wisconsin deer and uh, models on Florida models and, and South Carolina models on Missouri deer. These are deer right. in your area. And uh, the map is, the mapping feature is amazing. And I'm eager, I'm not going to talk anymore because I give away way too much, but on the next episode, you're going to hear about some of the new features that are about to roll out and it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Spartan Forge uh, is great. Uh, I've been playing around with it uh, a lot more. I've actually been on Spartan Forge a little bit this summer, uh, scouting for Missouri hunt, uh, doing a little bit of scouting where I'm at 
unfortunately I didn't draw any quotas. I was even unsuccessful today on my redraws. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's a great app. Uh, I'm looking forward to all the, everything that rolls out on it. And uh, Bill's just a, an outstanding guy as well. So, yeah, no, I, I really like him. And, uh, you know, he stands by us. You know, this is one of those things where it's it's real, it's kind of a touchy subject. You kind of have people who chase dollars. You have people who are real diligent about who they, they partner with. And I think it's important for everybody to know he donated 25 memberships to the Yakin for Bass Challenge for free. There was no strings attached. Send me an email and I'll get him a membership. Um, that helped us raise $800 for conservation, which is remarkable. I mean, that kind of that kind of support is unreal. And so, uh, use the promo code Chasing Tales T A L E S all caps all lower caps case, and that'll get you twenty five percent off of the current price and lock in that price for life. And I, I can tell you right now, it's an awesome app. It's applicable. You're gonna love it, and it's only gonna get better from here. The other company we have to talk about is Tethered. We have been working with Tethered going all the way back to I believe fall of two thousand seventeen or eighteen, somewhere in that range. I think it was two thousand eighteen. I've had the original Mantis, I had the Predator, I've got the Predator XL, I've got the Phantom, Phantom XL, uh, I've got the brand new First Light Edition as well. The the Tethered One Sticks are ridiculously light, they pack down remarkably well, which is a huge benefit for me, carrying camera gear, my pack is already bulky, my pack's already heavy, being able to cut out that weight, make it compact, put it on that X2, and ride out has been awesome. So check them out, tetherednation.com, for the lightest best, well-thought-out hunting saddle gear on the market. I'm telling you, go check them out. Greg and Ernie, Carl, Adrian, Val, they're all amazing people, and they're working really hard to make sure that you guys get in the outdoors uh, and experience it to its fullest. And Chase, like only a couple of years ago, was in a saddle and killed a deer. He wouldn't have been able to get a tree <laughs> a tree stand in. So, Yeah, I mean, first time ever in a saddle. Shot a was, deer. It, was it really? Yeah, first ever hunt in the saddle. <laughs> Somehow I'd forgotten that detail. That's a very important detail. Yeah. Not that that's going to happen for everybody, but if if you think about tethered, I mean, Greg and Ernie, I mean, they're saddle nuts. Greg yeah. was doing it long before he even bought it, brought it to production. He was tinkering and messing with every like little prototype he could possibly think of. And I mean, they're making the gear for themselves and everyone else benefits from that. So, that's right. and that's how they've always been. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I think one day we were sitting, we had just gone fishing, and we were sitting in his truck, and I said, four saddle hunters, buy saddle hunters. And he was like, oh, that's gold. But it's true. These guys, the whole intention was this, was they wanted the best saddle gear out there, and so they started a company in order to finance their own addiction. And uh, the best part is those crazy gear nuts. Like you said, they're out there doing crazy gear things for all of our benefits. So uh, be oh. sure to check them out. Give them some love. Uh, they support us. In, in so many ways, uh, going all the way back to the original Yak and for Bass Challenge, they're going to be supporting us for the upcoming Yak and for Bass Challenge. And we've got some gear coming from them for this upcoming fall giveaway. So stay tuned for that. But uh, with that said, we're going to let you get to this week's episode. we got a mystery guest. I'm not going to tell you who it is. Stay tuned. Recorded this computer. All right, we have got the legend. Now, this this guy, if 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 Brett Mashburn is the South Alabama legend... Then I think Parker has got to be the nuance, the 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 nuisance of of North Alabama. Um, doesn't spell out near as well, but I mean we're we're talking about a man here that when he enters the deer woods, uh, men drop pins and deer run. And so you know I figured, why not have the guy who who put public land water access on the map on YouTube, 
and and has since had to uh, hide his his identity and run from public land prowlers and buy a new vehicle and new watercraft, all kinds of things to protect his spots. <laughs> so, uh, Parker, man, I, I appreciate you. Uh, oh, right, I was supposed to call you Parker. Steve, Steve, appreciate you coming on the podcast. <laughs> I can't help but uh, notice that large pile of clothes in your background. <laughs> You know, (laughs) I'd love to sit here and spin you a line about how uh, it it was anything other than negligence on my part and that uh, I was really just doing chores and stuff. Man, I am just super slack. And my wife was like, hey, can you do the laundry? And that meant folding it. And I didn't want to do it. So I just took it from the living room and stuffed it in my (laughs) office where she couldn't see it. And, you know, that only buys me so much time because it's only a matter of time before she's like, hey, where's that that pair of pants that I have? And I'm going to have to be like, oh, here it is. And it's all wrinkled. So so I'm I'm just going to just assume that this isn't going on YouTube. Is that no. Is that a good assumption? Okay. Yeah. I look All like right. death anyways because I'm fighting allergies and asthma. I just got done shooting my bow in 100 degree heat. This is not making it to the YouTube. Well, a heck of an intro. I appreciate the intro. Um, you know, you know, it's funny, Walt, Chase, you may have had this, uh, this happen to you on episodes that you've hosted by yourself. But like when I with- listen to Walter's intros, I know he's completely pulling them out of his butt. Like he doesn't have the script written down or anything, but they're so good. It's like, uh, have you seen a Knight's Tale where uh, he's got the dude that's his announcer and he kind of makes announcing cool, I guess, for all the people. He gives them like this great big grand announcer. I feel like that's that's you. You would have been that in the Renaissance. Yeah, I'm the I'm the. Uh... The what are the guy they call the guy during boxing that announces everybody the 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 announcer something. I don't know no no he's got a <laughs> a fancier name than that but you know some of them are terrible but the listener never gets to hear that because I just like edit through like me stuttering <laughs> and stuff <laughs> it's the benefit of I, when I first started the podcast I used to tell everybody listen if you stutter and say something stupid just start over they'll never know because I'm gonna edit it out you'll be perfectly fine oh yeah and you're you're better than man than me I I. Don't edit anything out. I keep it all in there. Well, I don't know that I'm a better man because uh, last week's episode rendered weird, and uh, I got nothing but complaints that the that I was building these cliffhangers and I was asking these really remarkably good questions. And 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 the one listener described it as every time I leaned in to hear what the guest's answer would be, it would just like jump a little bit, and I, I felt like I missed it. And so. <laughs> Well, the good I've, news is, is we're not going to say anything productive or helpful today, so <laughs> you don't have to worry about that. I mean, that's pretty much what they've come accustomed to with Chasing Tales, so I'm not. Okay. Well, <laughs> there's that. Just draw them in for the suspense and leave them hanging every week. <laughs> I should I should start finding different ways to, like, like build in suspense, like, right into it. Be like, so, so, so Doug White, um, what's your favorite WMA in the state of Florida? And have him just, like, start to answer it. And they'd be like, well, I think one of my favorite is click, just cut off the podcast. And that's how it ends, like moving <laughs> forward. So, yeah, man. No. Well, dude, so uh, it feels like you and I have had a similar trajectory this summer with bow problems. What, what's what been going on in your world, man? It seems like every time you polo, you YouTube, you, you drop another reel, you got like a different broadhead, a different arrow, a new bow. What's going on over there, man? Uh, so, so I actually have had no bow problems, but I'm setting up a new bow. Mm. for me so it it hadn't had what i would call problems i'm just 
fine tuning, you know, whereas mo other years I probably got my bow set up fairly well. And then I'm just going in and fine tuning. I've had to set this bow up and fine tune. And man, it, it's not even, it's not even so much that I've got different broadheads or different things. I'm just slowly building the arrow that I want. And uh, no, the big thing for me this year was lighted knocks. So I don't mm -hmm. ever use lighted knocks. I know people are looking at me or hearing this thinking I'm stupid, but there's when, when you decide that you want to make FOC a priority in your arrow setup, <laughs> um, when you decide that you want to do that, there's a lot of work that goes into it and a lot of like time consuming work that goes into it. And um, so what, what I've had to do with this new bow is not only change it because I have a new bow, I've got a new arrow set up because it likes to shoot a certain whatever. Mm -hmm. And so I'm changing some of that stuff. I've also got a short draw length. So a lot of things are maybe magnified a little bit more like she going from a lighted or a regular knock to a lighted knock for my the length of the arrow adding that weight of a light and knock in the back can be kind of a, a big deal. And I hate even being that anal about it, man. Like, cause I know, like, I'm not, if anybody knows me, they know I'm not a gear nerd and I freaking hate this part. Like <laughs> it doesn't make me excited to come home and build arrows, you know, like I, I'm like, I wish the arrow was already built, but I know I have to do it. And so, yeah, I've, I've been trying to get that. I'm dialed in though. Like, I, I'm dialed in up to 50 yards. And for me, that my confidence is high. Like September's coming, you know, Kentucky will be here before too long. And I finally feel like I've got my setup perfected. So um, if you want me to, I can kind of tell tell you what yeah. it is. It's yeah, a give shameless plug. What's your bow setup? I'm excited about it. Uh, so it's this uh, the CP28 from Bowtech and the uh I'm, I'm really pumped about this because it's a short axle to axle bow mm -hmm. it's um 28 inches but the cams it's got a uh, bigger cam so it shoots more like a 30 um and it the whole system together you also know that i really like a system that works together so mm -hmm. uh, we recently started up a partnership with the pure archery group which is who owns bowtech tight spot quivers black gold sights um ripcord air arrest excalibur crossbows octane archery a bunch of brands kind of fall underneath that so yeah we got this this system of specifically with the bow the rest the, the quiver and the sight and it all just like so perfectly combines into it's like they made all of these products for the other which i love that part about it um as far as my arrow setup goes, I, like I said, I have a short draw length. It's a 26 and a half inch draw length. So I'm shooting a um, really light grains per inch arrow, which is the victory. I have both the gamers, the RIP gamers and TKO. The only difference, same specs on all those. The only difference is the TKOs have a, uh, they're like a 0 0.0001 or whatever straightness. And the gamers are, three point zero 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 three i think that's what it is um so it's a light g grains per inch arrow because i want to 
load up that front end and still be as light as possible because my short draw length is going to kind of hurt my, you know, this wall, I'm sure it hurts your overall speed when you go to a higher FOC. So to that, I've got 175 grain uh, grizzly stick overkills, the 60 to hundred grain uh, uh, inserts from ethics archery. I use the hundred grain on that and then zinger fletchings and a new company for me, it's a new company of lighted knock. It's called like, I think 4k JT. They it's an archery company and they make like really high end releases, I think and stuff. But I found at a local store, I found these uh, lighted knocks and they're pretty freaking cool. What uh, are they called again? It's like 4k, 4k JT or 4JKT or something like that. 4K JT lighting knocks. Yeah. So the thing, here's what I like about them. They have this little, and there's like no affiliation. I, I freaking buy everything with my arrows. Like I don't have any affiliation with any of the companies. Um, uh, Zingers, Zingers is nice enough that they'll send me some, uh, some fletchings uh, occasionally, which is great. But uh, this company, I just kind of randomly stumbled across them in a local sporting goods store here. And I liked them because most of the lighted knocks, like Luminock has like this weird system where it like somehow the, the knock actually has to press down. Yeah. And then nocturnals have the little switch in them, but you have to have the tool. But most people just use a broadhead or a, a, a pocket knife or something. And it wears the heck out of those little buttons to get the light to turn off and on. This one has like a little on and off switch on the side. It's really small, but... It's, it's big enough that you can kind of get your fingernail underneath it and pop it up. So every time I shoot it, just pop it up real quick and it works great. Um, where, where did you buy these? Cause I can't like, I, I find them in a search as like a brand, but then like, I can't find, Oh, hold on. Here they are on eBay. Okay. I yeah. think the company, I, I believe they just sold to another company. Oh, I was really? talking to a guy at the, sh- at the shop today and he said, um, he said he believes they were bought out by somebody recently. No kidding. Because you can't buy them online. Um, it's like a, only dealers can buy them online or um, you can buy them in the store. And they're a little more affordable. And I think it's better design as well. So we'll see how that works out. I'm excited about it. I know it sounds stupid for a guy to be fired up about lighted knocks, but <laughs> I'm, I'm tired of dang losing arrows. I lo- It's so hard for me to find arrows when I don't have a lighted knock. Well, that's because that's because you just you're a dirt nap dealer, and when you send your arrows, I mean, it's just it it dissolves the soul and just disappears. It, I mean, I wish it wouldn't do that. Those arrows are way too expensive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hashtag hunting douche. Way too yep. expensive. <laughs> They're wanna, way too expensive. I want to make a dirt nap dealer shirt so badly, but it would just look like such a like I got I got like it's one of those ideas you put in the on the board and you just, you circle it for like 2025 so that everybody's forgotten about that for phase <laughs> and that craze. Yeah. And then you just roll it back out and everybody's like, Oh my God. You know, it's like the acorn cruncher. It'll be back in a few years, you know? Yep. So. Right. Absolutely. Oh, but yeah, man, that's, that's kind of my setup. <clears throat> a guy I know the other day, he actually made the hunting douche, um, Instagram. And, uh, he was, 
at Bass Pro Shops showing the guy at Bass Pro Shops how to tie a, whatever he was, a D loop or whatever it was <laughs> like, or he was serving in like a peep side or something like that. And he was doing it. His buddy was videotaping him and he sent it. And <laughs> it's like how to show him you're a dirt net dealer at Bass Pro Shop or something like that. Dude, listen, I awesome. am, I, I'm jealous of your friend. Like, I think, I feel like if you make those meme pages, like that's where you can kind of like feel like, you know what? Like I'll probably frame it if I ever. So it, here's, <laughs> here's something for listeners to do. If I ever do something that you feel like is cringy, <laughs> send it to them. Cause it'll make my day. If they make a meme about me, <laughs> I, I need to send them. I need to send them those polos from 2020 that I said that I saved from you. Oh, where I'm making like little princess face or whatever. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, there was, so if anybody even remembers 2020, everybody's at home. Everybody's kind of stir crazy. And there was, I had a group with you and, and babe, AKA, you know, Adam Cruz. And, uh, you, you were like, you were railing on guys for like spending way too much time on, on high end gear. And then like your lone wolf custom stand, like sticks show up. And it was like, you were, you were talking about how people need to get away from shooting big bucks or, or little bucks or something like that. And then you posted a video of like smashing like a five point and like, <laughs> you know, somewhere. And I did that thing. It was like, like you <laughs> let them go, let them grow boys. And then I, the next polo I'm over on the other side. And I was like, but you can't eat the horns, you know, like, <laughs> I need to sit them that. Cause that was funny, man. That was, I saved those to my phone. And the other day I sent them to you guys and, and y'all had clearly forgotten about it because adam asked me if i was having a stroke because <laughs> they had no context i thought for sure you guys remember them uh it, it is kind of funny when you think about those type of just like man like the cringiest people to me yeah. the reason they're so cringy is because like when i see a, a kid that acts the way that i did whenever i was a kid i want to punch them in the nose you know what i mean <laughs> and that's how i feel like like the cringy people, it really gets under my skin when I can see how cringy it is, knowing that I've done the same thing. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah I'm more mad at myself. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm with you, man. I think so. I published a podcast this week. It was supposed to drop last week, but I didn't hit publish. I just hit save. So sorry, guys. Uh, but it dropped this Monday, and it was the very first time that uh, Chase and I we're on a podcast together. And as I'm listening to the edit to pull out like all these old sponsors, we don't work with anymore. I'm like cringing. My voice sounds terrible. I, I it so, it sounds like I've got a, like a wad of dip in my mouth and I'm like stumbling all over myself and trying to make like brand plugins and stuff. And it was super unnatural. And I'm like, God, why did anybody tune in back then? Like this <laughs> podcast is bad. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was terrible. It was terrible. <laughs> You see podcasts come up here and there, you know, new ones that yeah. come up and <laughs> they do the same stuff that you did, you know, <laughs> like that. I hate it because I'm like, golly, was I that? Yeah. Was it that bad? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So here, here are the polos that I sent you guys. And this is in the order of making fun of like the different things that Parker said. Hopefully this comes through on the audio. We'll find out. Hold on. Oh, it won't play. Son of a gun. I guess it's saved to the cloud. Parker, you're saved. You're saved by the cloud. Saved mm. by the cloud. Isn't that saved something? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. I'm okay. saved by the blood of the lamb and the word of my testimony, brother. Oh, <laughs> oh here we go. Here we go. Can't eat the horns. Let them go. 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 Let them go.
I don't remember that. Oh man, that was that was back uh, when I had way too much time at my desk and I wasn't working completely. So <laughs> I'm gonna have to edit one of those out. I forgot. I do you even it. have it? Do you have a job anymore? No, uh, I'm actually I'm actually a welfare uh, a welf- depend upon them as basically. That's why my clothes are back here. I can't afford to even fold them. <laughs> I feel I like you call you out, call though. me and like like used to you you would never. It, it's like you would call people whenever you got off work uh-huh. or before, which is dumb uh, when you live in Florida. Cause when you're going to work at like seven o'clock, it's like six o'clock here. <laughs> yeah. um, but now it's like, you call like at nine and 11 or <laughs> lunchtime, you know, it's like, yeah. I kind of wondered if you even had a job anymore. Well, when you make it management, basically everybody else is doing the work and mm. you know, I just have to make phone calls. And so as long as I have a phone in my hand, they don't care who I'm talking to. I'm just supposed to be talking <laughs> to somebody, you know, good deal. That's, yeah. that's like Busy. a great job. <laughs> you know, it's not as good as, you know, hunting on the clock, you know, and you know, answering <laughs> emails from tree stand, but it'll do. Who does that? <laughs> Honey douches. Honey douche. <laughs> not me. Not me. No more. <laughs> oh, that no man. more. Dude, so what do you have going on this season, man? I know, like, I don't know that Chase and I have really talked about what our plans are for this fall, um, but we've got some fun stuff lined up. But you're that you're that guy that everybody looks to to live vicariously through. So, like, what? How, how many states are you hit, and uh, what's what's the how many? I mean, like, how many licenses and, and deer tags do you actually have on your person, like right now? Uh, none. I don't have. Well, that I have Georgia from last year because uh, i believe georgia goes from 365 days uh-huh. from when you buy it so i still have georgia uh i haven't purchased any of them the only so i'm real fly by the seat of my pants with stuff uh so all i'm doing right now is trying to figure out where i want to go but i have all the dates marked of when i'm going to be gone so i know i'm going to be gone the first week of september i'll be in kentucky so i know that one i actually start before that in tennessee doing the velvet hunt um and so i'll do the velvet hunt kentucky opener and then i'm kind of like you know maybe i'll go over to mississippi maybe i'll go to georgia you know whatever before alabama season opens um alabama open beginning october so i really plan to do kind of my dough smoking around then um and honestly man october sometimes is my favorite month of the year just because like it's it's almost a no pressure situation in alabama um i I don't have super high chances of killing a buck um i still will buck hunt a little bit if weather conditions are right but for the most part like i'm shooting does and Mm -hmm. Uh, last year was a whole lot of fun because i shot four and it's just fun to shoot like if if i can shoot a deer a week in october how freaking cool is that you know what i mean like you kill a deer like it man it's just what we dream about all year shooting deer maybe get blessed with a buck here and there but then november will come and i'll go either back to kentucky 
for the rut if I don't fill my tag early season or um, it, it, Ohio is high on that list. Illinois is high on that list. Tennessee is going to be high on that list. Um, so I'm going to hit probably two of those states if I can the first two weeks of November. Then there's a chance that we're going to be going to Arkansas for Thanksgiving this year. So, you know, I'm, I'll buy a tag and maybe <laughs> hunt a little bit. Me and dad talked about that. Um, after that, uh, Alabama rut first week of December, first two weeks of December, probably. Then we'll go to Christmas, maybe may hunt Florida around Christmas uh, while we're with the in-laws. And then I'm definitely coming to hunt Florida in January. Um, and at that point, it's just kind of like, where do I have tags left? Yeah. And can I hunt the state? If I don't have any tags left, then I'm probably going to find one somewhere where I can hunt January and February. Uh, You'll have is, tags left in Florida. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is true. You are you are correct. You get five um, of them. <laughs> Florida is the one that probably if I have a tag left, it's not going to be high on the priority list list. <laughs> because chances are I could go back again and probably not kill a buck. So, hey, um, man, you came down and in four, four days, you shot your biggest buck. You saw all of uh, 2021. That's true. I mean, uh, that's why I'm definitely, definitely going to be going for probably a week or so if I can down there so i mean you know like i said i'm fly by the seat of my pants i have these dates and my wife is like she's really really good about um deer season specifically turkeys is turkeys a little different because i kind of snuck that one in there you know what i mean like oh by the (laughs) way i love to turkey hunt (laughs) and uh so it was like deer 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 and then when our first turkey season came along um she's kind of like what what's this uh-huh. crap is what what you're not supposed to be gone all this and i didn't start travel turkey hunting until probably four seasons ago or so so you know i i but i've been getting after it but she's she's she feels tricked with turkeys yeah. deer she's like i knew this was going to happen most of the time so my wife says the same thing all the time she's like i, I used to be able to handle deer and then you fell in love with turkey and she's like I feel like I signed on for a lease and, and at the end of the, at the end of the lease term, when I went to renew, suddenly there was an extra charge on the, on the contract, you know? And so that is perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I have to like scale back like deer season this year for me is going to be basically one three day hunt a month. I'm going to have like a three day time period blocked out going to, um, you know, South Georgia going to be hunting, obviously the Tallahassee area and then uh, be going to South Alabama. And that's going to be it. Like, I'm going to keep it real simple because um, if I have to, you know, she, she sees a difference in me when it comes to Turkey. There's like, there's no sleeping at night. I quit eating, you know, it's just, it's straight coffee and latex at all times. Right. And so uh, prophylactic latex, I should say. Uh, it's like, and, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I've always got something in my mouth. Um, but what? <laughs> <mouth> call. <laughs> uh, sure, um, sure. But uh, you know, really, tags. It's one of those things where, yeah, that's right. <laughs> they ain't cheap. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, man. I mean, it's just like deer season just kind of scaled back, and I'm just trying to. You gave me advice two years ago, and you were like, "You're trying to on every Saturday morning track deer," and you were like, "You've got to find a two three day period 
where you can find the deer, locate them, and then kill. Because it's it's isn't it, you know you don't get to hunt six days a week like me. And I was like, yeah, that makes total sense. Like, good. good I didn't science, realize so. it was going to be that deep because and like really be something that stuck with you. I was just trying to like rubbing in your face that you don't get to hunt <laughs> six days a week. Uh. <laughs> I guess I guess this is a glass half full interpretation of that. <laughs> but Chase, man, you—it sounds like you're the only person going to the land of milk and honey this year. Land of milk and honey. Yeah, Missouri. No, that's not. I wouldn't call. It, well, where I'm going, I don't. I don't know that I'd call it the land of milk and honey, but there is potential to kill good deer there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not heavily pressured, so I enjoy that aspect of it. But so, yeah, we're, we're, I'm going to be in Alabama this year with yeah, uh, nice. with you. I'm coming to Alabama finally. Well, no, I've actually hunted in Alabama years ago. Um, are you going to invest time into like making multiple trips to Alabama, or are you going to just do a trip? <clears throat> I mean, if I'm buying a tag, well, if I'm yeah. buying, I'm going to buy the season long. I'm not going to buy like a, a day type thing. Yeah. So um, I probably will. Uh, now that, uh, like I said, connection with uh, Brett and everything so uh i'm hoping that if i can get up there a couple of times maybe uh because we're, we're coming up in december for sure mm-hmm. and then i hopefully i'll be able to get up there before that and hunt in november some time out are y'all that... coming up are y'all coming up to hunt with me in december huh because you totally should yeah, we should. I mean, might as I'm well. Just, uh, Walter, see, this is the thing. This is why I ask because Walter has said for like four years, hey, next year I'm going to go, <laughs> next year I'm going to come up. And so I'm, I was just sitting here. I was like, man, they're coming up. It's in December. Walter has said for four years that maybe this is the year, you know? <laughs> well, last year you kicked us out for Kenyon. So that doesn't, that doesn't really count. Kicked out for Kenyon? Yeah. Babe and I were coming up to hunt with you, and then you're like, Yeah, so uh, Mark Kenyon's coming down, and uh, no, y'all, yeah. with dad and, <laughs> and the first light crew, he's like, Y'all, y'all can hunt from the ground, but you know, from, from the land to walk in, but oh man, y'all gonna come up there, that would have been fun. <laughs> yeah. Y'all would have, I mean, y'all, have, I, know, I do know that y'all have scouted all of it and like tried to send me pens and like i know this is where you killed this deer <laughs> there's that part but back in 2020 there was way too much time on our hands because adam and i would spend like two three hours in the middle of the day on on x be like i don't know man he put in at a boat ramp and he and it was it was a trolling motor so he can't go very far in the kayak so like let's find how many you know, how many of these parcels are like he said three miles so like <laughs> <laughs> we didn't get close did we uh I mean, area-wise, yeah, y'all did. I mean, you got fairly close. Yeah, but mean, y'all y'all know a lot of right? factors, too. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know a lot of things as friends mm-hmm. that aren't necessarily out there for the world to be able, like, you know, just some things that locals, local people would know that uh, you know through things mm-hmm. that I've said, you know, here and there. But, um no, it's it's a it's a cool state to live in. I'm glad you're I'm glad y'all are gonna come up and chase it. You're gonna spend some time here. I think you'll really like it. Yeah. it it's definitely better than Florida. So low bar. There's there that. <laughs> yeah. there I think go. to do pretty so, good. You seem to do pretty good in Florida. So that's I can't, all I need to hear. <laughs> I can't see why it would be any different here. Well, speaking of that, Parker, 
we've been that's what our series has been uh here recently is all the habitats different types of habitat in florida and we've had guests on talk about that you've hunted alabama florida uh how did how does it relate from coming from alabama to florida like was there anything that you used in alabama that would that helped you in florida well absolutely it's whenever i've hunted florida the leaves are falling or have <coughs> fallen off in alabama so in florida i'll be honest with you man i mean most of the stuff that i've seen i've hunted it on holiday like thanksgiving christmas the time that i hunted the, hunted it the most like the most consecutive days was over thanksgiving break several years ago and dude i mean it looked like summertime there everything was green so a lot of the cover was it felt like summertime cover so in terms of habitat that's a definite difference you know i mean if you're from florida and you come up to hunt pretty much anywhere else you're going to deal with leaves gone and uh a lot of the cover you know being gone and that's why i'll be honest with you that's why like especially especially during during the season i'm going to swap over and uh really use so i use a mixture of applications maps all kinds of stuff but with spartan forge really shines on in the season when you're looking for that leaf off imagery it's very very good um a good example is whenever i was in florida with you guys last year um just the the difference in being able to see some of these transitions and things was incredible um if you go to let's just say you go to alabama and you look at uh an onyx map versus a spartan forge map especially if you're during the season you're gonna look at that onyx one and be like man i don't know what the crap is like this doesn't look anything like this you go look at your spartan forge map and you have a little bit more uh, ability not a little bit a lot of bit more ability to see some of the habitat and you know the, the real changes and things it doesn't just look like a green blob but i can tell you man i've hunted ocala national forest and looking at that on the map it's like beautiful right it just looks like green yeah no matter what map you're looking at because it stays green all the dang time it's kind of cool in that regard you know and and if you go to i can only imagine the the further south you go like that's uh, i don't i don't know i mean honestly i've never been to south florida and hunted or looked at maps in south florida but i would imagine all their stuff looks the exact same all the time the other difference is um like your the the obviously it's wetter in most mm -hmm. parts of florida that i've hunted versus alabama or you know other states that i've been to uh florida is definitely florida is definitely um <laughs> what is it you can't distract me with that. <laughs> you send me text messages in the middle of a the middle of a while talking. <laughs> um, but like terrain wise, obviously is very, very different. The water levels are very, very different. Um, it's so weird to me to go and hunt and there's palmettos and stuff. Like you cannot see anything in palmettos. You have to be way up high and they have to be right up on you. A lot of times to be able to even see a deer you look at it 
it was. So the first couple of times I hung up in a tree and was looking down I'm like, oh man, I'd be able to see a deer all throughout this whole little flat. And then I see a deer and it's like 50, you know, 50 yards or less, 20 yards, maybe. It's like, how did it even end up there? <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like they, yeah. they sneak around really good in that stuff. Um, there was one thing, Walter, you may remember, I, th- I think it was gallberry brush. Yeah. Um, that or gallberry bushes did you call it something else tie tie or something like that you're talking about the little swamp heads that are about 10 12 feet tall no i'm talking about that stuff that was like where i was hunting in uh in the national forest where i was like man it just seemed like everything came from within that there was yeah those but the the dogs could not uh Mm -hmm. really penetrate it that well yeah because it's just too it was too thick and we deal with thick stuff down here or up here where I'm at, but nothing like that. And to me, that was always a, when I, when I found that stuff, I felt like I found something that dog hunters weren't, weren't maybe as well able to hit. Mm-hmm. And so it could be a really good spot for deer. And it always seemed to work pretty well out there. I think, uh, I think the dog hunters definitely can still hunt it. I think the I think the reason why the deer are still there though is because it's still the best cover for them. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, I've seen I've seen the hounds go through some stuff that it's just like, oh, somebody's missing an eye. You yeah, know, like the, there's no way that those dogs aren't missing eyes. And then the deer will blow out the backside. You know, the you see in the horizon, you see the dogs coming in, and on the backside you see the deer already slipping out and leaving before the dogs even mm-hmm. get there. But I think that security cover gives them that feel of they can they can get out of there. Um, the funny thing is, oftentimes when you push in there, it chokes those tie ties choke out so much of the sunlight that the, the the floor is real cool, and the turkeys will actually go in there during the day to escape the heat, huh. and they just hang out down in there. And one of my favorite afternoon things to do is to get on the edges of those tie ties between the the roost trees that I've identified and the tie ties and the open pines, and and face those and just do some soft calling, and you you can hear them in there walking inside the tie ties, just moving back and forth. And then right as the sun starts to go down, here they come, moving out of those tie ties. And they come to check right where they had heard the calling. Um, and last year I had one walk up like seven feet behind me just drumming, putting on a show. There's no way I was going to get a shot at them. So I just enjoyed it for what it was. But those tie ties end up being like little micro colonies of, of animal life for sure. It's funny you said that because uh, I did see a group of turkeys. It was Thanksgiving. Um, but I did have a group of turkeys do exactly that, you know, right at. Like, you know, right as the sun start, starts to descend, mm-hmm. that's when those turkeys all came out of it and went out into the palmettos. And I mean, it was, it, it's a cool place. I really like hunting Florida because it, um, it's, it's a challenge. So it's like on my, it's like the height of what I, killing a Florida buck would be one of the proudest I've been. Now, I haven't invested just a ton of time into it. But I, I really want to kill Florida deer. That's why I'm going to go. I'm going to hunt it every year because that's really high on my list of things. And whenever I do it, I'm going to be, I'm going to be fired up. I don't, it's legal. As long as it's legal, I really, <laughs> I think I, I don't know if it's just running or if it was just the trip, Walt, but I had told you like, if I kill a Florida buck, there's a good chance that it's going to get a shoulder mount, no matter how big it is. <laughs> Cause not then me. I might not ever hunt Florida again. Like I might be like, all right, let's, uh, let's be done with this state. <laughs> yeah. It's uh it's one that gets under your skin though, because 
I have a really love-hate relationship with the state because of a variety of different reasons. The, man, the way the management areas are managed, um, the quality of the hunting at times. But there's something about, like, and as I'm able to go out and punch into these other states to scratch the itch easier, I, I feel more inclined to hunt here harder. Um, you know, I'm going to go to Georgia. I'm going to smash a couple does. Like, any day of the week, I can go up there and smash does. Um, I'm going to go to South Alabama. And he's going to gar hole me and put me on all those chicken bucks. And I'm just going to crush anything that walks out, right? Like there are certain states where hunting is just easier, but there's something like in 2020, when I killed that eight point, that nice eight point in that bottom, dude, I was like hooked. I was like, I've got to find out a way to like make this happen more often because it just felt like <laughs> a bigger adventure. I, yeah. I was going to say accomplishment, but it felt like a bigger adventure because that was the culmination of three or four years worth of, of hard effort. Um, and the deer was tiny, like his nose. So I killed that eight point. And I killed that seven point that same year. The Flo the Florida eight point versus the Georgia seven point. The eight point was probably three and a half, four years old. The Georgia deer was like a year and a half. The Georgia deer's head was an inch and three quarters longer than the Florida deer. And they were only separated by a couple hours. And so, you know, you have a bigger deer up in Georgia, but for some reason, those little swamp deer, man, they just, I think they, I think it's the swamps that really get me. Yeah, I love hunting swamps. And I'm trying to break down swamps a little bit more just because most of what I hunt is hill country stuff mm. here where I'm where I'm at. But man, like I've had I had a season, I don't know, three years ago, I guess, where I killed a really good buck in October. I killed uh another pretty decent deer in December, but then I just couldn't fill that last tag. And so I was traveling down to South Alabama where the rut was a little bit um a little bit later or a lot later really i mean end of january a lot of places throughout the month of january and i realized real quickly i don't know what the heck i'm doing when it comes to hunting flatland and mm. so <laughs> um you know i've been really trying to hone in on that i'm not gonna i don't i i, I really like going out of state and hunting places that set up similar to what i hunt at home and so i don't when i go out when i you know, buy a tag for another state and I travel all that distance. Um, I'm kind of to the place now where I want to find something that I know I can effectively hunt. Like, I don't know that I want to go to, you know, river bottoms in the middle, in the middle East, in the Midwest. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely don't want to hunt the yeah, river yeah, bottoms in the middle East. No. <laughs> um, but you know, like I, if I go were to go out to Missouri, man, it'd be really tempting to go to that flatter stuff, you know, northern Missouri. But man, the the hilly stuff, I feel I would be more effective in the hilly stuff, especially on a limited amount of time. So that's why, you know, when I go here at home, like you can drive an hour one way and be in flatland, you can drive an hour the other way and be in hills. Mm -hmm. um, and so when I have an opportunity here at home, I try to go and, and hunt flatter stuff, swampy stuff, just to try to get better at it. Because ultimately, I'm, I mean, I'd love to go any state in any terrain and be able to be effective. But at this point, I'm just not, I'm not there yet. Yeah. I, I think that 
it, it takes a certain like there's there's like two different stages that a deer hunter finds themselves in and that's like this like searching discovery where you're trying to figure out how to deer hunt and i feel like in that time period you're better off focusing on just like a real small piece of land and trying to really understand the deer movements there and then you start to progress and you start thinking okay this is starting to feel comfortable let me start go into South Alabama. Let me start going to South Georgia. Let me go to Kentucky and let, let, let's see how this translates. And I think one of the coolest things is um, Florida. I would not be the Florida hunter I am today if it wasn't for Chase, if it wasn't for Colin McNutt, if it wasn't for, uh, uh, um, oh God, he's going to kill me for not remembering his name. Another one of my buddies. Uh, but, you know, these guys have invested in me and all the guests that we've had, frankly, in the state of Florida. They've invested in me as a Florida hunter and helping me understand the pattern that's here. But the exciting thing is in the last, like, year or two, you know, Chase and I have talked about this a lot. There are deer patterns that just occur. And those those patterns are what the patterns are. And you just have to find a way to apply it to where you go. And I'm starting to hit that phase of I want to start punching out. I want to go to a new WMA with new swamps and see if in three days if I can get on deer. I want to go to South Alabama and see if 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 predictively, you know, the patterns that I expect to, to hold are going to tr hold true. And, and yes, on some of these hunts, I'm going to be going and hunting spots that other buddies have. But I have a feeling that if I'm like, that spot really calls to me, Brett's not going to be like, don't go hunt it. He's going to let me go over there and figure it out. And we're going to have a good time doing it and i feel like you're definitely like in you, know, you and chase frankly are in like the the apex of your game where you guys can go out to these out-of-state places break them down and get on deer like right away it seems like every time you guys go out of state y'all are able to get on deer very very quickly um and that's something that i aspire to be as a deer hunter for sure it's fun man and like it, it it's really and chase knows this too when you start doing these out-of-state trips it's really frustrating to spend money and to, you know, take vacation time, take time away from your family. It's really frustrating to go and do those things and not see deer, you know, like to be unsuccessful. And so what, it, what you end up doing, you, this may translate better for you, Walt, with elk hunting. You know, I know you really like to go and that's like a whole lot of fun for you, but, um, I, 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 I would I would guess that you spend a lot when you were really into it and going on it. It was kind of frustrating coming back empty-handed, but you wanted to figure out how can I be successful mm -hmm. next time, right? Yeah. Like it's not a waste of time necessarily, but your your wife may not see it as that, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, when I first started hunting Kentucky, man, I was just so frustrated at myself. You know, I'm like, I know I'm a better deer hunter than this, and I'm in flipping Kentucky. And what the heck is going on? And so, I mean, that was the first place where I really started like venturing out and like going and investing in, you know, and now I kind of feel like maybe not necessarily early season, but just Kentucky in general. If I have a tag in Kentucky, I can kill a deer in Kentucky. And so I kind of want to move that now. I want to go to Ohio you know, and, and mm -hmm. do, do kind of the same thing in Ohio. And I, I just got back from, uh, Southern Ohio a <laughs> couple of days ago. And one of the things that I saw was a lot of ridges dumping down into crops. So it really mixes the two different types of, you know, it's not necessarily all flat farmland like you would find in the Midwest. It's hilly farmland. So I can use some of the things that I know about hill country and try to let it translate there with the added 
factor of ag. And then, you know, maybe the next place, maybe I get Ohio figured out. I plan like this is I'm planning to dump three years into Ohio every year. The same way as I've done with Kentucky. Um, three years every year. What do you mean by that? Like hunt it every year for three oh, years. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I want to, I want to hunt it and make it cause it's close enough for me. Yeah. I, I did a podcast last week with Casey from the element and yep. he told, he said something that I've actually thought about before. Um, but he's like, man, growing up in Texas, it ain't nothing to spend $3,000 for three or $4,000 for a really good lease down in South Texas. And it's, you know, four or five, six hours away. Texas is a big state. That's how I grew up. And we did that, man. We drove a long ways just to get to a dang deer lease, but we went every single weekend. Ohio is seven, seven and a half hours from my doorstep. I can get to some really good places in Southern Ohio. So why not just treat it like a dang deer lease? Try to hunt it in that early season. Then go back again there in the rut if you can, or if you have a tag still, then maybe go hunt it late season. You know, I I really want to take these states and get really effective at individual states but also still do some you know bouncing around you know i'm I went to north dakota last year i you know i i, I want to go to illinois and do iowa and kansas sometime in missouri but these states that are in close proximity that have bigger deer man it's so cool to it's so cool to think about how i started in kentucky versus where i'm at now feeling extra confident that i can go into kentucky with a tag and kill a deer i want to do the same thing kind of all around i'd love to be able to do that in florida maybe one day but today ain't that day (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i think i think that's kind of a a winning strategy It kind of borders on a lot of the strategies that a lot of people have you know bow hunting dad Andy May, he hits a lot of the same WMAs year after year and, and scouts them in state and out of state. Um, and I think that when I look at a lot of, of the people who are on the podcast, and even if you really look at a lot of the people who are successful on YouTube and Instagram, a lot of it is that. A lot of it is a lot of time invested into uh, a couple spots and really seeking to understand it with trail cameras and stuff like that. And I think, you know, when I'm able to podcast full time, I have a, a goal of doing something real similar, which is uh chase laughs podcast full time (laughs) uh you know i want to i want to be able to hop in the car and like go to go to uh kansas ahead of a hunt in the summertime and put out trail cameras and see what we get and sell cameras in ohio or kentucky and hit those areas and come back during turkey season and scout during turkey season you know and be able to put time in that yeah, I, I want to do that. I want to get to where I hit some of these same player areas over and over again. And then when I get comfortable with it, find another place to mix in. You know, you, you talked about elk hunting being something that, you know, a waste of time if I didn't get it. I think I could go to Colorado 10 times and have the experience that I had and not worry about it because it wasn't like, and I think I would be become more fanatical about being successful, but it doesn't define it because it kind of feels like um, a vacation from the serious, if yeah. that makes sense. Like I take it serious, but it's like, it's that one part of the year that doesn't match anything else. And as long as you come home with a bunch of memories, like the, the scenery and everything was so amazing uh, that I feel like it, it made up for that. But yeah, Chase, I guess, I guess what Parker's saying is the next evolution for chasing tails is we need to start going to the Midwest in the summer and scouting and hitting the same spots every year. <laughs> well, that's uh, what I'm, I'm doing that this year. I'm going back yep. to where I was 
uh, hunting in Missouri last year. It's not that I couldn't have killed a deer. I mean, I got on deer and could have shot a deer. I mean, one of them, a, a lot of Florida guys would have definitely shot the uh, deer that I let pass. <laughs> Walter for sure <laughs> would have shot this deer. Um, but it wasn't what I was going to Missouri for. Yeah. Uh, I had a goal, what I left of kind of what I wanted to kill while I was there. But now, like I said, I, I went, I scattered it during the summer or I flew up there and scattered it for a few days uh, came back and then went up there, scouted it while I was there. And, and with Brett being there, just getting more Intel of kind of what the bigger deer were doing. Uh, that's like the one that he killed. Uh, I can use that this year and, uh, hopefully set myself up uh, a little bit better. And, and who knows, it could have just been a weird time. It was warm. I wasn't seeing much rutting activity at all. Even the bucks I was seeing, but every hunt, I saw every hunt, I saw a buck. I mean, it wasn't like I never didn't get, or I got shut out or whatever. Like I was seeing deer and every hunt I saw a buck. So I I can't complain about that at all and could have shot one or could have shot several actually. Um, but it wasn't what I wanted to shoot, but I'm hoping this year to expand upon what I did last year. And, uh, maybe, uh, this year I'll be, have some success. Yeah. And like, man, that stuff so is so evolving too it's like like my my goals like i want to shoot bigger deer right like i'm i'm obviously not like that's what i'm always thinking about and always preparing for um but like it, man i i guess it's probably chase it's probably the difference in i get a lot of time to go and hunt a different state, right? Like you're working a full-time job and, um, you know, with a, with a unique schedule being a fireman and stuff like that. Uh, but, but you're like, I've got this one trip that you're going to go, at least that's how it was last year, right? You go to Missouri, that's where you're going to go and try to kill uh, a really, really good deer. Like I like, so I'm very goal oriented, oriented like you are. Um, but I like to go and try to find a, a deer that I'd be happy with, you know, if I know, Hey, I'll be happy with that. I'll shoot him. And then I want to go to another state and hunt another (laughs) state. Right. So like, um, and it doesn't mean like either, neither one of those is wrong. It's not the wrong choice or the wrong option. You know, you, you want to, to shoot, you know, those kind of deer, like, like what Missouri is known for. And who knows, you know, I've, I've only hunted Missouri once and it wasn't a big buck part of Missouri. Um, it was, it wasn't even a deer part of Missouri, apparently. Um, <laughs> if you can believe that those exist, there are p- parts of Missouri that don't have a lot of deer. Oh yeah. Um, but you know, like you, you take those factors in like, okay, Missouri, probably not going to shoot a buck that I would be happy with in Florida. Like I'm just probably not going to, but I'll be honest with you. Like, there's times where there are situations and scenarios like going to North Dakota last year, I hunted North Dakota hard last year. Um, our situation was, we didn't see a lot of, a lot of deer. I saw no bucks, um, while hunting till the very, very last day. And I had this little four point velvet buck come in front of me. And I was like, man, it's the last evening. I'm going to shoot him. Right. And so like I, I did. And it was fun, man. It was super cool. It was a fun experience. 
it's not the buck that I went to North Dakota to shoot. You know, I wasn't, I think it was you, Walt, that was like, Parker Nunn gone to North Dakota and shot a Florida buck or something like that. <laughs> Drove to Canada to shoot a Florida buck. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like, I would much rather do that than come home empty handed. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just, I really enjoy the the learning experience. And then, you know, the next time I go to North Dakota, man, I don't even know that I want to shoot a small buck even if it was the last day it's kind of like yeah you know been there done that i really like going to new states so i think it's a lot of fun so i like i like the this balance of going to new states and i also like the balance of like hey i'm gonna go to ohio multiple times this season maybe i don't want to be okay with a a 90 inch deer you know maybe i because i'll hunt it more maybe i want to maybe i'll be okay with passing up a 90 inch deer and Mm -hmm. I don't know, man. I, I don't know that I could ever pass up like like a 120 type deer. A 120 is still a really, really good buck. And I would probably mount it, you know? So There is not a world I can envision in my head where I could be in any state in this country and a 120 <laughs> walks out and I'm not and I'm passing it. There's just I can make uh... I can make a solemn promise to the listeners of this podcast if you want to see a certified dirt nap dealer pull the trigger on 120s and above in every state support this show because i will drive to missouri i will put in for five points for iowa and smash a 120 on the opening day i have got no i will i will pick up your slack parker don't worry about it like this deer this deer right here that you can see behind me which people can't he's probably like you know 108 inches or 110 inches smash um that's a hard that's a hard deer to pass up you know what i mean like that's a tough one and so like maybe in missouri maybe in iowa you'll do it in missouri you know but like man like most of the states i'd shoot that deer almost every time in kentucky this this one right here this this one next to it how big is that one like 60 70 inches that one yeah no dude he was like a, a 117 smash perfect he's a, he's a lot bigger than what you think right there he's got a lot of mass does he's he? one of he's a georgia deer that i killed <clears throat> uh, yeah walter and, you say you say all that which is fine and you'll you'll eventually get to where you're killing a bunch of deer and then you'll you might change your goals you more confidence in myself there, there's <laughs> there's definitely i still have a, a devil and an angel on each shoulder walter it's still deep down <laughs> i still go i i want to shoot that deer <laughs> but I just don't do it. So that's the difference. It's not that I'm just like, oh yeah, that, I'm not going to shoot that deer. I just somehow <laughs> talk myself out of it. Every because it don't matter. Usually the first deer of the season, I see it and I'm like, oh yeah, I want to shoot this thing. I want to shoot this thing. But then I'm like, eh, no, let's not. Let's come on, boy. You, so so new Patreon this. tier. We're gonna have a fifty dollar tier, and Chase is gonna hand coach you and how to pass up. 100 to 120 inch deer so if that's something you need help with chicken buck i'm talking to you uh, <laughs> sign up for this yeah. 50 50 tier and uh, chase is going to teach you deep breathing exercises pilates <laughs> and whatever else it is that he's using to i just i can't envision that that's a stud deer you got to get it like i said get it out of your system you'll get right, you, just, just, just keep okay. killing just right, keep I'll keep killing keep killing eventually i Man. think You'll get, I'm gonna be honest with you. you'll get it out of your system too at some point you'll I, you i'm will. gonna be honest with you man i've been killing deer for like and killing lots of deer for a long time and um like like i <laughs> i don't want to like i don't want to i don't want this to come across in any way 
arrogant or whatever, but I've killed a lot of bucks in my life, you know, and in the last, in the last five years, probably six years. I mean, like I'll average four or so deer that look, you know, kind of like that one. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll shoot three deer that are in that same category, usually in Alabama, uh, every year. And like, I don't know, man, I, I just, I love the, the experiences and stuff. Now I will say like, I'm not shooting that deer if I'm hunting on private land, you know what I mean? Like where I just had to walk up to a spot and, and do it, you know, like depending on where I'm at, obviously, but like there, there's difference, there's differences. If, if, if that is a small quality deer, like a, a, a young, younger quality deer, or, you know, not the potential of that place um yeah i mean smash absolutely <laughs> i wouldn't smash that one listen so i made it a little yeah. bit further than you when, so i'm showing i'm showing everybody my smash. wall of shame behind me here when this wall can't hold any more deer of these calibers we'll open that tier up I'll, I'll open up an additional space and you guys can start coaching me up i just i know you're right and and, and i i can see it i mean it it's a progression I made in turkey hunting real quick. I, I was lucky to smash a bunch of toms real early on. And now I don't know that I'm ever going to pull the trigger on a Jake. I mean, I just, it, 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 there's a certain level of the hunt that you, you progress to and the adventure progresses and maybe I'll be like you guys one day. And if not, that's okay. There's always Turkey season. Never say never, bro. Yeah. That's why I never say never. Like never. sometimes I go out with the goal of, I want to shoot a, a tank, mm-hmm. right? Like, if I, I'm not going to shoot anything other than a mature deer, I don't care as much about the antlers, right? Like, yeah, especially in Alabama, a mature deer here in Alabama, I, I tagged out with a really mature buck here this year that had crap on his head. Like he was maybe, maybe a hundred inches if, if he's on a good day, but he was huge. My gosh, that Joker's body was massive. Mm-hmm. And he just had this big, huge head, this Roman nose. And it's like, man, that I'm killing that deer for sure. But like, you know, some days I go out and I want to shoot a big buck and I'm not going to shoot anything other than a big deer. Some days I go out and I'm just like, I just want to kill a deer. You know, and I try to just kill a doe if that's possible in the state that I'm in. If I really want to kill something, I'll just kill a doe. I have no problems killing does either. I love it. I, I've made this promise on the podcast already a couple times this summer, and I'm just going to re-up on it because it sounds like it's the prescription to being a big buck killer. The first six things that, that walk out that are legal this year, I solemnly do swear I will pull the trigger every time. If if killing is what I need to do to get to y'all's level, fine, so be it. I'll, I'll, I'll just – I'll reap. It'll be done. Uh, That's a pattern I'm hearing. Honestly, I've listened to – like I said, I drove back from southern Ohio for that uh, Mobile Hunters Expo, which was a lot of fun. but. Um, I got time to listen to some hunting podcasts that I don't typically get. And I heard on maybe two, two, maybe three podcasts. And I know we've said it on, on my podcast before, but the best way to capitalize on the opportunities you get with big deer is to shoot a lot of deer, right? Like it's, it's real world practice. So um, that's why every year, especially during archery, I'm going to go out and I'm going to, I'm going to hunt doe spots and I'm going to smash those. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I, you know, that doesn't mean I'm going to kill every doe. Some days I might just go and buck hunt and I'm looking for a, a buck, but I'll, I'll regularly go in on Saturdays 
to doe spots and kill a doe because it's just it's such good practice and it's fun like why not yeah oh yeah i've been busted by a lot more does than i have bucks so. absolutely same here <laughs> way same more here busted way more by does than bucks <laughs> like it's not it's probably not even close for me i feel no. like every buck that i kill comes in just like kind of nonchalantly like I, I haven't been just like straight up busted by a buck in a long time but those man it's like every hunt seriously this year this past season it was every hunt for like the first week i got busted by does <laughs> it was dumb yeah i don't know that i've ever been busted by a well no that's not true i got busted twice last year by bucks but that was just <laughs> wind shift changes I oh sure. I've, been, I've been busted by buck well not i mean like i said i've been winded like to the point where yeah. I'm fixing to draw back and just uh, whatever that sixth sense on that buck kicks in or the wind shifts or whatever. And you just see that nose go up in there and they just sit there, just start probably nose. And I'm just like, Oh my God, it's so freaking close. Probably the reason that we say we've never been, we haven't been busted by bucks oh, as been much is because those bucks never busted. Even you just never saw them into view. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> <true. laughs> <laughs> You've been busted. You just didn't know it. You just didn't yeah. know it. They that's don't like blow. Doug, they don't blow as much as does. Yeah, that's <laughs> like what Doug uh, White said last last week was you know he we talked for almost an hour after the podcast, and you know one of the things he talked about was that bucks when he's observed bucks leave you know the does like badam 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 he's like he's seen bucks in fact he talked about one deer in a spot that I scouted this year he said the buck was 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 moving through this water. And it was up almost to like to like knee knee level height. He got directly downwind of of him, and then laid down in the water and just had his head above the water, just laid right down right there. And it's like how many deer, how many mature bucks have just froze in perfect cover and let you walk right past them, or they've slipped out the backside of a thicket real quiet, like you know. I mean, dude, the think about that deer that I shot at in Florida this year. Um, Uh, if if i know i've told the story on your podcast before but the the buck as soon as i got set up in the tree i hear a deer running through the swamp just out of view Mm -hmm. and stopped and i never heard anything again for the rest i mean for the rest of that hunt until the very very end of light here he comes from the same spot that he stopped i hear those wash 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 hear the water and then i see this buck that joker sat there for, I mean, who knows? Uh, like, I could have bumped him off, then he came back, and then he left again or whatever. Like, But he sat there in that water, and that water, you, you walked it with us, Walter. It was not, it, there was no spot for that deer to just lay down. He had to have just been sitting in water up to his neck. Um, and there's, there's a couple of things that I've thought of with that, actually. The... The fact that as soon as I got set up, there was another guy that I didn't even realize was there that was set up after me. Then you came by, yep. you know, by him, by that other guy, like that buck, I probably didn't spook him at all. No. I was just got there right in time and he came either saw other guy or smelled other guy or something and stopped. Like he just, he just quit, quit moving, didn't move for an hour and a half. I think I he mean, just stood there. I, I don't think it, he laid down. I think he just stood there and just watched. But he couldn't have laid down. <laughs> There's no way. He would have had to, like, there was nothing yeah. for him to lay down on for, I mean, any direction that he would have went, I would have seen him. Yep. 
you know, like I think he just stood there in that water. Yep. I saw a YouTube video the other day. The guy had a buck come in and caught like a glancing, like off wind that, that hit the, the buck's nose. It was like pre-rec condition. So he's acting a little more stupid, but the guy put a timestamp on there and he fast forwarded that buck is walking, 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 bam, hits him. And he's watching the doe that he, that he wants to get to, but he, he still had just, you know, it wasn't quite rut. So the deer had just a little more common sense and it sat there for 37 minutes. It's just the timer's just running and running and running and running. And the deer's head's just going left to right as he's smelling and looking and smelling and looking. 37 minutes. That is nuts. And so, like, I wonder how many times, like, we've gotten impatient and, like, the deer's maybe seen us. And we're like, oh, maybe he's still there. And then you, like, relax a little bit and you start moving a bit. And that's when he slips out the backside of the bottom or something like that. You know, I mean, it was unreal. And he stood right there in the field, didn't even move. And I think on THP last year, they had a buck that came out for, like, uh, like the last 30 minutes of daylight and just stood in the thicket and just watched. Um, it's interesting, man. It's really interesting. When you talk to these big buck killers who have really like taken the time to watch and, and get close enough to mature deer to watch their movements, um, the observations that they provide it, you know, I think we're pretty reckless as deer hunters when we kind of like approach things just because we don't have the same patience as a mature whitetail. Absolutely. No. Yeah. Totally agree with you, man. I think life's on the line (laughs) there. Yeah, they're true. There's so, I mean, I can think of, I mean, it happens every year, time and time again, every year, multiple times every year where you walk by a spot and then see a buck get up and run off. Man, it happens every single year where they just, they're just still, man. They Uh just, they know how to stay hidden stay secluded and once you're gone they're gonna or once you're past they're gonna bust out of there and uh man they're they're really i mean that and so going back to going back to what we were talking about earlier with is it like talking about buck size or whatever Mm -hmm. like man uh, you can watch you can watch i mean there's been studies of certain deer and how as they get older you know, their senses are more, they become more confined to one area and moving around less and less and less. So once you get to that, that in my opinion, probably where y'all are at and here three and a half and older is a, is, is what I consider to be mature buck status for where I'm at. And I know uh, guys like Michael Perry, that's his kind of cutoff for mature deer is three and a half and older. Mm-hmm. Um, if a three and a half year old deer a three and a half year old buck has survived that long and you're able to fool him to me, that's like the, that's the trophy, right? Like the antlers are cool and I like big antlers and I, and I, sometimes I, you know, I, if, if 130 inch year and a half year old deer walk out, I'd probably kill him. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> but a lot of like times, huh <laughs> i said it's gonna look like a giant and 130 yeah. year and a half old yeah I mean, that's yeah. almost that's almost in the realm of you should pass and come back and get them next year because that there, there's your, your well your yeah but bug. but i wouldn't um <laughs> you ain't looking so, at the body size <laughs> yeah at that point it's like yeah that's a big buck i'm shooting i probably wouldn't even think about his age honestly i'd be like man it's a really small deer Weird. It makes me wonder if that buck you shot at in Florida was like a 80 pound deer and you're like, it's huge. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. He was a big body deer too. Uh-huh. He was just a big buck, but, but I, I, I enjoy, 
like the other thing, Chase, which you may not know this, Chase, because I don't talk to you nearly as much, but I don't really care about specific bucks and running trail cameras and doing all that stuff. Like I'm one of the things that I really, really love to do is go into an area similar like what you did at that place in Florida last year, have no previous knowledge about it, um, do a little bit of cyber scouting, e-scouting, then go in and scout the sign and killing a buck. Like to me, that almost always gets me pumped up. You know what I mean? I've shot deer that once I got to him, I was like, man, he's not as big as I would like, but, <laughs> but I'd also never been in this spot before. And that feels really, really good. Uh-huh. Um, that's the challenge that I really enjoy. Yeah. Well, the place we went to, and I, like I said, I don't have like certain standards that I'm going to go yeah. for most of the time, but like when we went on that Patreon hunt or whatever, I mean, I was like, that's a good deer. I'm going to shoot it considering what it I uh, spent a little bit of time scouting. I uh, spent a little bit of time on the map. It's an awesome story. It's like, okay, yeah. cool. This, this doesn't happen every day. And was a lot of people that didn't have the same situation. So but looking it, like back said, now, it changes, it changes. Look, looking back now, um, you had to do, I'm turning into host and going into host mode. Okay. You had to, uh, do all that work to go and find him. And, you know, it took him, it took you a long time to find him walking around <laughs> Walter and everybody shooting stray bullets all over the place, like <laughs> shotgun shells flying. And, uh, you had to go swimming in the swamp and all that stuff. If you would have known that you, cause that deer didn't make, he, he barely missed, uh, the, like made up, what is it? The book bucks there registry registry. Yeah. Yeah. I call him registry. Didn't he just barely miss it? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think he was, well, he was 93 or something inches. So, right. I mean, six, seven inches. Okay. So knowing all the work, would you have, was it worth the size buck that he was? You know what I'm saying? Like, would you, would you still shoot him again? If you knew you were going to have to do that much work to recover? him? <laughs> oh, that's a good question because, um, and honestly, I don't ever, you don't, that never really goes to my mind when I'm shooting something though, of like what yeah. the recovery is going to be like. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. I'll tell you it should. <laughs> well, sometimes now if I'm way back, my mind. Like, if, if I'm miles back, yes, I have passed on deer like that going, this is going to be horrible, uh, probably getting this deer out. But honestly, knowing what I know now, I mean, it was just a cool experience. I mean, I had a bunch of my buddies out there, some people I don't get to hang out with very much. And I got to hang out with them. We all had kind of different ways. We liked to trail deer or track deer and stuff like that. I mean, was it, like you said, like you like to mention as type two fun uh, at the time, but then once it was all said and done, I was like thinking about it now. I mean, I'll never forget that. So to yeah. me, that's worth, that's the trophy right there is I'll never forget that whole experience. And I don't think any of those guys will ever forget that either. That was my point, man. Like that, that was, I'm glad you said that. Cause that's kind of the point for me and my hunting style is like, man, like I really like having fun memories. So if my dad's here mm-hmm. or something, yep. like I might shoot a, a way smaller buck. Like there's just right. certain scenarios where it's like, man, I know if I shoot this deer, I will remember this deer forever. Yep. And that that's also kind of what happened with the North Dakota deer last year. He was by far the smallest buck I killed. And 
Um, but it was like, I'm going to throw them on top of this rental car. I just left the whole crew <laughs> and came out here to public land and yep. got this rental car. I'm going to throw them on top and, you know, just the whole thing. It's like, oh, this is going to be fairly memorable. I'm going to shoot this deer, you know? Yeah. And so I, I think it, for me, it's, it is definitely, it's definitely all about the, all about that experience of it. Yeah. yeah. I think, it, I think those fun. memories, if they aren't your primary driver, then you're setting yourself up for failure. Yeah. You know, that's why I, I'm really, I try and be really diligent with my word choice because for me, <clears throat> I use the word adventure a lot because that's ultimately, I think what we're all looking for, right? Like, um, you know, insert, insert or basket rack eight point for Chase's story. It's probably just as enjoyable, right? The size of the deer probably isn't what, what defines that, that story. And so, um, you know, I, <clears throat> I, I poke fun. I can, I, I'm sure there's a day where I will pass on smaller deer. I mean, like when I go to Iowa, I'm probably going to pass on smaller deer because it will have taken me four years to get there, five years to get there. And I'll be there with Chase. And all I have to do is just wherever he chooses not to go, there'll be like a 140 there because he's chasing 180s and 200s <laughs> because it's Chase, you know. But like realistically, I mean – I think at the end of the day, as long as you're centering it around an adventure, it's like I'm going to come home with a story that I'm going to tell over and over again when I become senile, and my kids are going to be able to like finish the story for me, right? Like if that's your if that's your outcome, who gives a damn what you shot or what you didn't shoot? I mean, it really shouldn't. Like ultimately, it it won't matter. Um, you know, I think I think I would rather, and and I'm I'm speculating here. I think I would rather be like I would rather the three of us recover somebody's deer that was like a 120 then shoot a 120 myself because you know good and damn well the three of us insert any other diehard deer hunter insert any other deer camp having that camaraderie afterwards having accomplished something huge the drinks the the butchering of the deer the story and the the reliving the video shot like all of that dude that's what you're going to ultimately remember because Parker you said it best you shoot a lot of bucks man and I'm sure you can remember the stories on all of them but I bet you there's some that just like they just hit and they mm -hmm. hit hard and you're always going to remember that story. And I bet you the buck probably wasn't like the most phenomenal thing either. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've got lots of small bucks that I have um, that I shot earlier on. And man, I, there's one there's one buck in particular that was a little bitty tiny seven point. It was my first rack buck that I ever killed. And I don't know where it's at. I cannot find it, but I will remember that deer forever. And I shot him on, I mean, there was probably 300 pounds of corn dumped on the ground <laughs> in Texas. <laughs> me and dad, me and dad were sitting up in a blind and it was windy and we were cold. And it was like 945. And this buck, I mean, there were 300 pounds of corn laying on the ground because no deer had been coming to eat any of it. Right. So it was right. like, had just been sitting there and all of a sudden this buck shows up little bitty thing and i shot him and i remember everything about that hunt i remember calling my grandfather i remember where he we went to eat afterwards i remember i remember writing down the name of the ranch and wrapping the tag around the antler um like i have really fond or really sharp memories of that that specific hunt i got another one uh uh like one of these deer right here can't remember it was behind me um me and dad were together you know it's not a very big eight point it's 
you know, decent little eight point, but dad, I think I was, uh, 25 or so. And it was literally the first time me and dad had shared a hunt in, I mean, six or seven, maybe eight years at that point. And that deer walked out and it was like, yeah, we're going to shoot it. We're going to shoot him. I actually wanted dad to shoot him, but he couldn't hear me. He couldn't <laughs> hear me saying there was a deer there. So I pulled out my rifle and shot him. Um, so yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. They all, and I have, I have other bigger deer that I remember less, you know, they're not quite as important. Oh yeah. I was talking about that the other day with, uh, Brett actually, cause I think it was the first year he went to Missouri, like within the first hour shoots his biggest buck ever just in yeah. a random setup. Like there was not like no hard work put into it. Just set up in this tree, hoping to uh, get some Intel and doe runs out uh, right in front of him. Buck comes in tow, shoots it within the first hour, done in the first hour. Very first time ever hunt Missouri, nothing <laughs> is. And I guarantee you that buck that he shot this year, which was, not as big that he had to work for harder. He'll remember, he was going to remember that one mm -hmm. uh, way more than the one that it took him. Now, are you going to pass on that? No, no one's going to pass on that. No, nope. but as far as memory wise, you're going to remember the one that you spent seven days working and grinding and then getting on the ground, getting in the woods, shooting it from the ground. You've never done that before. And uh, you're just going to, that one's going to hold more memory than the one that, okay, yeah, I was in a tree for an hour. He came out and shot it back home headed back home yeah make memories not taxidermist bills <laughs> yeah Ooh. Uh, that's your title maybe, your maybe, podcast maybe, maybe it should be taxidermy your hunting memories mm. all right well fellas uh first off parker i want to thank you for carving time out of your evening because i was on my in my backyard shooting my bow and uh tonight's guest said hey can we reschedule tomorrow to tomorrow night and chase hasn't been able to make a podcast in like three months and so <laughs> it was one of those things where you're like i mean if you need a guest i was like done call chase chase like yep absolutely let's shift gears and so uh we had no agenda when we came into this besides a record a podcast and i am proud to say that uh we're cr creeping up on the two hour mark here so uh shout out to craig Kroom and uh adam miller who every so often annoy me about making these podcasts longer this one's for you guys uh, hopefully you took something from it 